Hello, welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustis. In this week's podcast, we ask what influences our career choices? And if we can understand those influences, can we make more intelligent decisions about our working lives? Later in the show, we'll be finding out more about that from Kerry Cooper, Professor of Organisational Psychology at Lancaster University, who will be joining us to explore the factors, the people and even the TV shows that shape our career goals and aspirations. Plus, we reveal what grads need to know about their internship rights and Julian Lindley aims to lift the spirits of one poor graduate who spent an epic three years fruitlessly looking for a job. But we'll open the show with a roundup of news. We've got no Ali this week. She's holidaying in Africa, but we don't like to talk about it because we're very jealous. So hello to Harriet Minter and Eliza Anyangwe. Hello. 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 How are you both? Very well. Good. And we've got stories about interns, A-level students and jumping straight into the job market. We do indeed. Are you starting first? I'm going to kick off with A-level students and the fact that according to a new survey, 47% are saying they would rather go straight into a job than now go to university. And the vast majority of them are saying they've chosen this route because they don't think they can afford to pay their tuition fees. So I kind of dug up some tips for those of you who think that maybe you just want to go straight into work and what you should think about before you do that. Um, So first up was just because you're not going to university doesn't mean that you can't get a degree. The Open University lets you study while you work. And I actually have um, a friend who did an Open University degree in volcanology, of all things. I know. She had Kerry's just that? The study of volcanoes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. And she's actually now a volcanologist. Anyway, so she did her OU degree in three years, which is the same time it would take her to have done a normal degree whilst working full time. Um, she worked very, very hard and didn't have much of a life, but you can do it. And she came out, you know, she paid for all her courses as she went. Another one is um, if you're applying straight to a company and you haven't been to university, all the same things apply. So you need to have clear reasons for why you're applying to that company, decide whether you like their products, whether you like the way they work, what it is you're applying for. If you've done any similar work experience, flag that up. And also, I think a really interesting thing to talk about would be how they develop people and what you've seen people in the company go on and do. So if you can research actually people who are interviewing you and where their careers have gone and look at how they've been developed and maybe use that to say I know that I'm not going to university and I don't have that degree but I know that you run this training program or I've seen that this person used to work in this role and has gone on to work in this role you're kind of showing that you want to grow with the company and that you're interested in what they and how they can help you develop and the final one I had was obviously have a clear response to the question why are you not going to university really think about it Obviously, if you're not going because you can't afford the tuition fees, that's absolutely fine to say that. But say it in a kind of positive way. Say I kind of weighed up the pros and the cons, and I decided for me it was a better option to go down this road. And I'm really excited about it because. Make sure you turn the question around and sound really enthusiastic. Good one. Um, my story is more of a blog, actually, and it's from the BBC College of Journalism, which is a really, really great online resource for sort of budding broadcasters or print journalists lots of advice from you know established journalists and lots of learning resources and even like style guides for the BBC which you know very useful to learn and this piece was called personal branding is key for would-be journalists and it was written by Josh Halliday who actually works here at the Guardian he's our trainee media and tech reporter and he got his job here 
um, two weeks before he graduated because his personal branding and his proactivity in the area. I know it's quite scary, isn't it? I'm just, I'm <laughs> so impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, it's really impressive. So, um, and what he starts off talking about is um, how grads in the US are really ahead of us in sort of personal branding. And it's really boring to say this, they're ahead of us in everything, aren't they? But um, they think about networking, they think about how they look online, they think about their portfolio even before they come out of college or university. And this is something that Josh encourages journalists, anyone, like I say, to do as well. So you might be a student, but you should also be active in your in your industry already. So you've got something to take into the workplace. Um, and he talks about how journalists that he knows and, and how he has raised his own profile by being active in journalism. Um, he gave a great example of uh, Dave Lee, who's a 23-year-old journalism graduate from the University of Lincoln. You know, find him out and follow him because he's been doing some really interesting things. Namely, there was a, a lecture at university from a re- really well-known BBC journalist. Um, and he sort of took some of the points and then on his own blog kind of picked them apart and said why he disagreed with them. It was quite controversial, really, to sort of catch attention and get people to pay him a bit of attention. And another thing he did is he was reporting on his own patch in Lincoln. There was, a, I think there was a mini earthquake there. So he kind of um, filmed it on his phone and put it onto YouTube, notified some of the nationals that he'd done it and was offered some money. And what he actually said was, you know, I don't really want any money. Can you give me a placement or can I come and spend some time in the newsroom? And, and I think the crux of what Josh is saying is that you need to be doing the job even before you get it. Just because you haven't got a paid position somewhere doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity for you to be just doing the work. And it's the people who are already doing the work and immersed in all the practices and show that enthusiasm for it that are standing out. And that's what helped um, Josh get his job. And just finally, there was another really interesting point from the piece, and it said that nepotism is giving way to social networking. There's been lots of pieces around at the moment sort of bemoaning that it's it's who you know if you've got a relative in a company. But I, I don't actually think it is like that anymore. People are creating opportunities for themselves on social media by making their own contacts. It is who you know, but you can make contact with anybody in any company now because of all the channels that are available. So we'll be definitely putting a link up to this piece, so give it a read. There's lots of tips in it. Eliza? So is it me then? Yes. Um, Well, I have a story which is from The Guardian and it is a bit of a shocker because it's something we know but it seems a necessary evil. It's internships and unpaid internships. Um, And the fact is that a fifth of British companies have admitted to using unpaid interns to get the job done more quickly. So 95% of um, 218 UK managers surveyed responded that they agreed that interns were useful to the organisation but are not being paid. So an organisation called Internocracy, which is a, a social enterprise which is looking at developing work experience schemes for employers um, is trying to promote um, to students and potential interns the fact that they all need to know their workers rights and not enough young people know their rights in the workplace so there are a lot of resources that you can go to because all the information you need is on the internet DirectGov has all the information you need um, worksmart.org.uk which is run by the TUC has lots of information for about um, workers rights and paid internships where you stand in terms of employment law um, and a blog called Intern Aware as well. But the other thing I think it's worthwhile for interns to know is um, if you're not going to be paid, 
you have to be clear about what you want to get out of your internship. So go in with a definite idea of whether it's the experience, whether it's a specific tool you want to use at a particular employer's, if it's a software that they have that you want to learn how to use, or if it's contacts that you want to make, you have to be clear about what you're getting, as well as know your rights, so that even if you're not being paid, it's the most fruitful experience for you. Okay, so no one finds a job overnight, but looking without any luck for three years would test anyone's patience. It's no wonder that this graduate has lost all motivation and confidence. But our careers guru aims to restore some faith. The email uh, I'm going to talk about this week is, it, kind of, it makes me feel sad if I'm honest. I don't kind of know really how to offer too much inspirational advice about it because it's depressingly familiar about someone who's been looking for work for a long time, a graduate has been looking for work for three years, and it, during those three years has only actually managed to work for one year in temporary jobs and keeps getting turned down for the jobs that they do apply for. As I say, it's depressing because it's so familiar. I think it is a very, very tough time, especially for graduates with no experience at all. There's two things going on, really. One is that because of the economy because of the lack of jobs if you've got a job you stay there you stick with it and no one's moving which creates its own problems I think you know lots of industries are incredibly boring and static and feel out of touch as a result of the lack of movement so the opportunities aren't being created and then the other factor obviously is that if anything jobs are laying off staff rather than recruiting new staff which is putting a lot of very good clever experienced people out into the marketplace so when jobs do come up graduates are competing with people who already have several years experience um, who are prepared to work for graduate money so I I feel your pain Uh, it's a really tough time I suppose the advice that I would offer to anyone that finds themselves in that situation is first of all it will get better it will you know this is the low point this is the toughest part And I got my first job when the economy was recovering from the last recession. And it takes a while, but the opportunities do start to uh, come up again. And then there's, there's a choice I think you can make. You can take advantage of the situation. I worked for free, not for long, I admit, but I did volunteer to work for free because I knew that they couldn't afford to pay me for my first job. I took advantage of the fact that I could afford to hold down a bar job, which is where my cash came from, and do the career that I wanted to do without being paid, whereas a lot of people can't afford that luxury. So I think to a degree graduates are in a position where they should be taking advantage of the fact that they don't have the overheads that a lot of other people do have, that necessarily have mortgages or children or any of those big expenses. So I would say keep your hand in working by working for free, volunteering, create contacts, see it as a extension of your education I suppose uh, rather than necessarily a job until the job market improves and then another piece of advice I would say would be to just try and focus as much as possible on just doing something that you enjoy whether that is for work or for pleasure so quite frankly if I was in the situation lots of graduates are now I would sod off and just travel around the world you know and do something cheap and expensive that's going to broaden my mind, broaden my life, broaden my experiences, and perhaps kind of make me a more rounded individual when I did come back into the workplace. Because the reality is, you might just be sat around getting depressed, waiting for no job to happen, 
you know, for the next couple of years, you may as well sit on a beach in bloody Thailand and do that, quite frankly, where it costs less money probably to be there than it does to be here. And I know that's frustrating when you come out of university, you're fired up, you want to get a job. But in actual fact, if, you know, the jobs just aren't there, you know, broaden your experience of life in that way instead. And maybe it is that you go to another country, you never know what opportunities may emerge there. You know, for example, you know, the economy is in a very different place in Brazil. You know, there are opportunities in um, Asia that might be worth exploring. Obviously, there's going to be lots of difficulty around working in those other countries, but you just don't know what experiences you're going to have until you get there. And my advice would be go and have an adventure rather than sit at home and be miserable. Some tips on getting your job-seeking mojo back from Julian Lindley, Creative Director at Bauer. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're thinking about what influences our career choices. And a quick straw poll via Twitter revealed just how wide-ranging these can be. And we had some really interesting responses. Um, I've picked out a Tiffinator, which is a great Twitter handle. Um, she's a grant writer for a learning organisation. And she said that she'd followed in the footsteps footsteps even of an inspiring mentor um but more recently it's been more money growth opportunities and being fulfilled in a job is what's attracted her to different positions okay well i sort of looked at um amanda fox pr and she said she was attracted to pr by the opportunities the fast-paced work and challenges and also where she was based so she was based in leeds and she said there's just so many great agencies there that's why she's interested in um sandra about on net does travel PR and she said it was a combination of her love for travel and passion for communications but my personal favorite is James of Walsh who says absolutely nothing I've just ended up where I am somehow and I think we all know that <laughs> yeah. feeling yeah I think that might be a common one there's another good one here this is from um Kat Alf Catherine Alford and she said parents tendency to play it safe equals civil servant it's like <laughs> some true. sort of twisted um formula really for work isn't it <laughs> And also one of the most retweeted pieces of content on our Twitter feed last week was a feature exploring what to do with a degree in art history. Admittedly, there may have been a few people clicking through in the (laughs) hope that it held the secret to marrying a prince. I know I did. Um, After all, Kate Middleton famously graduated with an art history degree from St Andrews, didn't she? And the piece had a lovely picture of her on it. Um, But these what to do with pieces are consistently popular which speaks volumes about how difficult it can be to choose a direction for your career or know what roles to go for. So to find out more about all of this, we've invited Kerry Cooper to join us. Kerry is Professor of Organisational Psychology and Health at Lancaster University Management School. And he's also head of Interview Guru, which is a new video-based web resource for interview skills development. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Carrie. Good, <laughs> good to join you. Yeah. Um, hopefully that won't get too confusing, the name. No, 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 no. It's okay. Um, well, I think this is a really interesting issue because, you know, we're influenced by lots of things. But are there specific things that influence our career choices? Well, I think you have to look at it from the point of view of the kind of life course. A lot of things influence us and what we decide to do. I mean, let's start when we're children, what our parents do, what our parents expect of us, what our parents would like us to do. That all influences us within the the nature of the family. Also, what our siblings are good at and are interested in doing, and we may want to differentiate ourselves off from them. But I think one of the biggest influences are particular teachers at school particularly secondary school and particular lectures at university, if you go on to university, they will influence your career 
they see something in you, they mentor you, they encourage you, they make you feel good about yourself and valued in that subject area, I think is, has a massive influence. Do you think there's also a flip side of that? Say if um, there's a teacher that you may or may not connect with and they say perhaps that you, it's not the right choice for you but you kind of want to go against that? Is that ever a factor, kind of like a reverse psychology? Well, that's an interesting one, yeah. I mean, normally I think the average student would be turned off by that. But there are some people who will react to that. It's what in psychology we call the counter-dependent people. These are people oh. who have to prove something. Oh, you say I'm not good at that? I'll <laughs> show you. I can, I can really do it. I mean, that actually, funny enough, happened to me when I went to university. They did uh, interest inventory testing and aptitude testing. And they said, Carrie, you're great at science. You should really, and your mathematics is fantastic. And they said, whatever you do, don't go in the social sciences. <laughs> and that's where I am. Other influences, I mean, does TV or entertainment or media have um, any impact? Because I remember a few, quite a few podcasts ago, we had one of our um, in-house law specialists come and come mm. and speak to us. And they were talking about how after watching Ali McBeal and watching Legally Blonde, that they were really, you know, kind of interested in law after that. Do you think that's a powerful? Oh, I um, think it factor? is now. And if you take a look at The Apprentice... If you take a look at take a look at Cracker, for example, when Cracker was on, and we had forensic psychologists, mm. psychology on the set in, in in several different series, the demand for forensic psychology courses massively increased. We didn't even have them; we had to create them yeah. for the demand. Many psychology departments. But if you take a look at uh, things like interior design, more design stuff, cookery. There's a whole load of careers now, I think, are influenced by television. Very powerful medium in influencing a peer group. You know, it's showing them. It's giving them a kind of window into that particular career. Probably, by the way, not necessarily an accurate window. So I think, although the media influence you, uh, it's not necessarily an accurate representation of what the job is actually about. Do you think that market conditions have any influence you know whether there are skill gaps or boom sectors um the reason i ask it seems to be that people aren't put off by oversubscribed or very popular sectors and likewise you know the sectors that are really in need of talented people consistently seem to be so so why why is there a difference in in that why aren't we sort of drawn to where the opportunities are and why well, doesn't that influence the choices so heavily? Well, yeah, I think that we have a problem there. Let's take a look at engineering. We don't get mm. the kind of... We need more engineering students, right? We need more people in the engineering professions. Particularly now, by the way, at the moment, uh, the fastest growing sector of our economy is manufacturing. So we need engineers desperately, right? Uh, but the problem I think we have is engineering doesn't project a particularly good image like other uh, occupations project. People get turned off. They have a kind of old-fashioned stereotype of what engineering is about. And uh, there are some occupations where we have a really critical skills gap, which we have not projected very well, and we need to do that. So is it fair to say, then, that stereotypes and generalizations on the whole sort of influence us or this how we make our initial choices? Yeah, I, I think so. And funny enough, some of the sexy kind of careers that you, you see a lot of on television and everything else don't actually deliver the goods in the end. And some of the ones that you don't see, I mean, you don't see too many engineering programs. If we had more programs like that, may change uh, young people's attitudes 
and may think, hey, that's really quite a creative thing. How aware are we of our career influences? Are they quite obvious sometimes or are they more kind of under the radar? Oh, I think they're totally under the radar. Other than parents' expectations, teachers' expectations, that they're aware of, probably below the radar are the kind of uh, influences by osmosis, you know, by the media, the peer group. It's a shame because really what we need to do with, I think, with young people is to get them to do a kind of self-audit of themselves, looking at what is, what are the skills I do have? What are my kind of competencies as a young person? You know, I'm really very sociable. I love being with people. Uh, I'm pretty good at uh, making decisions and taking responsibility. If they could do that of themselves, and then we could match those kind of personality characteristics to jobs, then I think we could shortlist a whole range of jobs that they might find interesting, many of which probably they have never even thought about doing. Yeah, well, that's really interesting because I was going to ask you about how difficult people find it to make those choices. I mean, one of the most popular areas of our site and one of the questions that we get most is, you know, what can I do with this degree? Do you have any more tips for sort of unravelling that aspect of yourself and really finding out what it is that motivates you and interests you? I mean, if you're really unsure, why don't you go to, you know, one of these kind of career advisors or occupational psychologists who can do really interesting psychometric tests we now have, which can tell people about really where their interest lies, where their personality strengths are, where they're weak, which can give them a flavor. And, the, and for example, occupational psychologists can say, here are probably 20 occupations that would suit your personality, your interest inventory, your aptitude. But a large bulk of kids don't know precisely what they want to do. Uh, or choose something that they're good at. They've done well at A-levels, done well at university, but actually they're not motivated by it. So to sum up, Kerry, it seems that you're saying that there are good and there are bad influences and an awareness of those is going to help us make more intelligent choices about our careers. I mean, do you have a message or a way of people that people can distinguish between those that they can sort of carry away from the show? Yes, I think you're absolutely right. There are kind of good influences and bad influences. I think one of the bad influences is other people's expectations of you. Not your own, theirs. You know, trying to meet what your parents would like, their needs for achievement, their uh, ideas about what would be a high-status job might not suit you. The same thing would apply from expectations that don't really excite you from teachers or from significant others. So I think really what you have to do is you can listen to what other people say about what they think you should do. But if you really don't feel comfortable in that, you don't feel that would meet your needs, you shouldn't do it. What I think you should do, what are good influences, are people who really have your interests in heart. Sometimes those are parents and some, again, time there are teachers who really care about you, who really want to mentor you, who really you, you know have your interests in heart and have got to know you as a person to the extent that their advice you, you would take quite seriously. And so it's, it's those people you ought to listen to. And I don't think it should be just done on, on the media, you know, what looks like a sexy job because The Apprentice is on or, or House is on or some program like that. And you think, oh, that would really be nice to do that. That's not the kind of influence you should do. If something does turn you on, 
then what you should do is try to get some experience in there. That would kind of unwrap the reality for you, and you'd know more about what it really is like to do it. Take as much opportunity as possible to explore as many options as possible, and that will help you enormously. Thanks very much for all the advice and insight, Kerry, and we'll hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you, Kerry. Okay, time for this week's jobs chart, and Eliza has picked out some gold dust graduate roles. Um, She and Harriet are going to reveal the top ten now. So in at 10, a rare postdoctoral research associate position at St Edmunds College, Cambridge. Another academic role at 9, the London School of Economics is offering a fellowship in international relations. And at 8, the UK's leading speaker bureau, JLA, is looking for an assistant for its senior agent. Netta Porter needs an accounts payable assistant vacancy at 7. Step is recruiting a graduate client support developer at 6. Fabulous at five is a gallery manager vacancy at the Cubit Gallery in trendy Islington, London. Four is a web developer role with Open Creative Communications, part of the TVF Media Group. Faster to the finish line at three, London Business School needs an HR assistant. And publishing events are on the lookout for a business analyst at two. But cruising into first place, a motorsport company in Surrey is looking for a PR and marketing assistant. And finally, here's what we've got coming up on the careers site next week. Okay, on Wednesday the 11th, we've got Roots into Chartered Surveying, and on Thursday the 12th, How to Progress Your Banking Career. Lovely, that brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guests, Carrie Cooper, and to Julian Lindley, and to the studio team, Harriet Minter and Eliza Anyangwe. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. I'm Kerry Eustace. Goodbye. Goodbye.